You're listening to The Gateway Church. For more information, please go online to thegatewaychurch.com. Good morning again. We're in this series. We're, we're five uh, portions into a 15-part series uh, drawn from <clears throat> uh, one of the back volumes of the book of Psalms. Uh, from those psalms, which is Hebrew for song, those songs of ascents, A-S-C-E-N-T's, of, go, of climbing, of going up. And it's widely <coughs> believed and was practiced back then that the, the Hebrew pilgrims on the three times a year that they would gather in Jerusalem for the high festivals, Passover, Pentecost, and, and, and harvest, that uh, they would chant these on the way. That wasn't the only time they were ever read or participated, but that became a tradition for them. And if we step back and look at them, we find that they provide a beautiful and brilliant 15-point sort of framework for anyone who's journeying towards God in 2019. They provide a, a basic underpinning and understanding for the, the, the crucial sort of minimalistic elements of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a Christ follower, a Godward living uh, person. And they begin at uh, Psalm 120 up through 134, and we're taking them in order. And we started off uh, five weeks ago, it, uh, the uh, Psalm 120, and that was a, the, the basics of that was turn around from wherever you're going and from the falsehoods of this world that's dominant culture and step towards God. 121, remember God's ways and keep going. Don't try to shortcut and go back to the ways, the former ways of our dominant culture. 122, walk together with others, especially when you don't feel like it. Last week was... Look to God, be a merciful servant, and keep going no matter how steep the climb. And now we come this week to Psalm 124. <clears throat> and I love the commentary by Josh uh, Moody uh, on this chapter, and I, I'm leaning on, on that uh, quite a bit today. But in each and every, how many have uh, flown on a, a commercial airliner at one time or another in your life, all right? Anybody never been flying, ever? It's a rare thing in our society. Well, on board each and every uh, commercial airliner, there's a flight data recorder that runs on a 30-minute loop recording every word spoken in the cockpit and every indicator of all the critical flight systems and instrumentation as the, as the crew talk to each other and to the control tower. And th that... A 30-minute loop is included in that, that famous indestructible black box. And some people say, why don't they make the whole airplane out of that indestructible stuff? Well, it'd be too heavy, couldn't fly. Uh, and it, so, therefore, it's always a critical piece of evidence whenever, you know, the, the FAA have to determine the causes of an airplane crash when those things are investigated. And six days ago, we lost a real aviation uh, hero, and perhaps you remember uh, legendary pilot Al 
Haynes, uh, who on July 19, 1989, he was the one who skillfully guided that stricken uh, United Flight 232 uh, DC-10 uh, to uh, a horrible uh, but nonetheless crash landing at the Sioux City Airport. He died this last Monday. If you listen to the cockpit recording of that historic moment 30 years ago, you're, you're going to hear remarkable calm, professionalism, and expertise in the face of extreme danger. On that fateful day, when things turned out better than they should, not everyone survived. But the fact that anyone survived, much less 184 out of the 294 aboard that DC-10, is simply amazing. And if you remember, you're replaying the scene of that over and over as the, as the news uh, crew was able to get to the airport before the plane uh, arrived and film everything. As the FAA studied the causes of that tragic flight, they recreated the situation aboard their flight simulators and discovered that no one, not a single pilot, was ever able to even come close to the airport, much, land bring, much less bring the aircraft into any kind of attitude where anyone would have survived. There was somebody who did it, but it was on his fifth attempt. Now, while most of us are never going to be at the controls of a stricken airliner, thanks be to God, we all nonetheless face dangers of all kinds in our day-to-day world. We face the dangers, bless you, of wondering where will the next project, paycheck, client, gig, job, rent, or sack of groceries are going to come from. There are all kinds of physical, legal, financial, relational, and emotional dangers that we all face. And this psalm is like the flight data recording of people facing danger. And when we read the transcript, there are no expletives, there's no paralyzing fear, there's no sense of doom, there's no hysteria, there's no panic, even in the face of the gravest of dangers. Now, like Psalm 123 from last week, these words were most likely composed early on in Israel's history as the nation was fighting for its very survival. The Philistines had heard that David had become king and they sent their army out not merely to threaten the newly established kingdom, but to destroy it. And David sought God's help And the Israelites were ultimately, with God's help, victorious. God's people have always been threatened by attacks, spiritual and otherwise. But, as it says, with the name of the Lord on our side, and not to be presumptive there, but with the Lord's name on our side, danger need not become defeat. 
as so oftentimes it is. This psalm is telling us that God is the one who rescues us from the evils inside of the dangers of everyday life. This flight data recorder is a song of praise. By the way, didn't you appreciate the kind of stripped-down, simple music today? I mean, I love our band. I love all the musicians when they share the gift. But Dan, way to go today. That was just particularly sweet. Yeah, yeah, encourage them. I heard the other time did that was like they had to do that. This is a week of choosing to do it, and I just thought it was wonderful. And thank you for your gifts and leading us. This flight data recorder is a song of praise because the pilgrim's faith and God's presence around them proves real amid the danger surrounding them. It's saying to us, sing this with me. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But let's push on. When danger comes, God is the one who rescues. And it makes two crystal clear points about God's rescuing from danger. First, without the Father, danger can destroy us. Look at verses 1 to 5. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord. Whenever the Bible repeats something, that's just a, that's their way of highlighting it, okay? Or making a hyperlink to something saying, yay, pay attention to this. <clears throat> if it had not been for the Lord, it's repeating, who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When the when their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Verses 1 to 5. Danger comes in all sizes and shapes, doesn't it? And the point of this first section is that danger is real. Just got real. Danger is real. It's real because it's from, what's verse 2 say? People. There's an ongoing contrast in this psalm between man and God. At the root of the danger is a deep abiding fear of man, and the anecdote is the name of the Lord. People attack you, people oppose you, people. I've had a lot of different people in a lot of different professions say, you know, this would be a really great job if it weren't for the people. I've even had pastors tell me that. I've probably felt that more than one occasion. Um, But it's people, right? This danger is real, but it doesn't have to defeat you because God's presence is also very real. And the danger's not only real because it's from people, it's real because, as according to verse 3, it's fueled by equally real anger. People and anger, fire and gas. God's people 
are often opposed because people are angry about what God's people stand for. Cain killed Abel. The Pharisees opposed Jesus. The Judaizers persecuted Paul. There is open hostility toward God's people around the world. And especially fueled from people fueled by anger. And this danger has an additional characteristic of, of realness, of reality, because it is primarily spiritual in nature. The metaphors in verses 3 to 5 show this nature, because the fight is never really against flesh and blood, Paul reminds us. The dangers we face. Verse 3, being swallowed up alive. You ever felt that way by the stuff you're going through? Like you're just being swallowed by it. Like a flood, verse 4, sweeping us away. Out of control currents and forces just swirling downstream in a river of mayhem. And eventually, verse 5, drowning in raging waters. The psalmist is just being super honest with us in these pictures. These pictures of the forces of evil that oppose the work and people of God, which are all a very real danger. How horrifying it must be to face these alone. Ever been there facing them alone? Yeah. Awful. We've got to keep in mind in each and every one of these dangers lies a new opportunity because many times what we've found on the flight data recording of life is that many times danger, in the end, God can redeem it and use it to bring you to a place of asking for help from the Lord, which may be one of the most difficult things human beings ever struggle with. To simply ask God for his help. Without God, danger becomes destruction. Don't let it. Well, okay, let's go home. Instead, Look at the reality of life. Faith is not a crutch, but we are all weak. Faith is not for pansies, but we are all frightened. And I'm not talking about false bravado of not letting it. It's like the indeterminate by Snopes, whether it's true or not, legendary story about Muhammad Ali who, when he sat down in first class at the airliner he had just boarded, the flight attendant asked him politely to fasten his seatbelt. He refused, saying, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she replied, Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> he buckled up. True or not, it sounds like something that a very sharp uh, flight attendant would have said in response to someone who claims to float like a butterfly and sting. The reality of life, 
that we all face is a precursor to the ultimate reality of the largest danger we all eventually will face, death itself. And who's going to rescue us from that raging water? Man is but a breath, the writer said, and all his devices are but a dream, but the name of the Lord stands forever. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. You don't need a strong tower unless you're in a battle. Danger is real, but remember, God rescues from danger. First, without the Father, danger will destroy you. We're not playing here. This is life and death stuff. Without God, danger becomes destruction. But our Father rescues from that destruction. Because with the Father, it doesn't have to be destruction. With the Father, danger becomes declaration. Look at the second half of the psalm, verses 6 to 8. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who has made heaven and earth. Eight years ago, in Pakistan, the Pakistani Federal Minister for Minorities Affairs was the only Christian in the cabinet of that nature, that nation, and he was murdered for opposing his country's Muslim blasphemy laws. Shabhaz Bahati was machine gunned in his car in broad daylight, having just visited his mother right in front of her house. And four months prior to his assassination, he was interviewed on video where he not only predicted his death, but explained why he would not back down despite almost daily death threats. He said, quote, I want to share that I believe in Jesus Christ who has given his own life for us. And I know what is the meaning of the cross. And I am following the cross on behalf of my community. What a witness. But when we think of witness, too often what comes to mind? You know, street corner preachers or passing out tracts which we call littering for Jesus. You know, the word witness, it shares the same, it's always connected to the cross because it shares the same root word as martyr. That's why the early Christians could sing in prison. That's why Paul could rejoice in his sufferings. It's why this psalmist is so apparently happy at his close escape from the jaws of death. He doesn't look back and say, why on earth did that happen to me? He looks back and says, blessed be the Lord. And in so doing, is making a powerful declaration. This is not a one-off event, but a pattern of life. Life crushes us and God redeems it to reveal to us 
who he is in our weakness and to a watching world around us. Around us. Around us. Still, I look at this and I think, you know, okay, I, I get that, but he really sounds just a little bit too chipper for me. He sounds like somebody who might not, you know, not really be in touch with reality. Praise the Lord, I'm really depressed. Praise the Lord, I've got cancer. Praise the Lord, I've broken up with my spouse and I get to go home to an empty house. Praise the Lord, I have no idea who I am or what I'm meant to be doing. But really, in all actuality, I see the psalmist here as being incredibly vulnerable and raw. The exclamation points might make it sound flippant, but when you look carefully at this text, you can see that even as he declares now about what God has done for him, he does not hide how terrible it had been. He was prey in their teeth, chewed up by life. He was in a snare like a bird. Can you see it just panicking? A snare caught in a, a bird caught in a hunter's trap. This isn't pretty. This is awful. But not anymore. God rescues from the evil of danger. And as he does, danger becomes declaration. Well, what do you really mean here, Tom? Do you remember the name Bethany Hamilton? She embodies danger transformed into declaration. At the age of 13, Bethany Hamilton was a rising surfing rock star, living in Hawaii, surfing every day. Then, on a regular, rather low surf, not very much wave activity morning, Bethany, in a split second, in a gray flash, lost her left arm just below the shoulder to a 14-foot tiger shark, which took a huge bite out of her surfboard as well. After nearly dying from shock, and massive blood loss, and an astonishing string of miracles that got her to the hospital, Bethany made it out alive, which is a miracle in itself. And for most, it would have been the, an obvious end to such a dream life. But not for Bethany. Of course, look, there were tears and worry and agony and heartache and painful, awful therapy and distress in the pain-filled ICU and that torture chamber they call their rehab ward, Joe. But there was something else. There's a lot more to this scrappy, blonde surfer girl. In that ICU, in that hospital ward, in rehab, there was singing, there was praying, there was laughter, there was awkward one-arm hugs. 
there was an unstoppable, gritty fierceness to this girl built on the unshakable foundation of her life, Jesus Christ. And just four weeks after the attack, Bethany got back on the surfboard. And within two years, she won her first national and then first professional surfing titles. Bethany's foundation of faith had been her rock, her strong tower, her source of hope and strength, her everything. And at 17 years old, she signed her first pro contract and since then has won numerous national and world championships and still competes to this day. And her greatest joy, she says, is now being a wife and a mom, and she's been able to be in touch with millions of people around the world through her writing of best-selling books, speaking, two movies, and a social media presence. She's unstoppable. Such have Christians always been. Hymns in jail, songs in the night. Blessed be the Lord who rescues despite the circumstances. But the real rescue was not just that her life was spared, is that her heart was changed. For without that, for without that, that new job or that break or the healing, those things many times can lead, just lead to more trouble. You see, Bethany didn't grow a new arm. She grew a bigger heart. Now she's a declaring witness without, with limits, with less, and one of the most powerful you will ever encounter on this earth. And I love what she says, that she's touched more people with just one arm than she ever could have with two. See, this is the thing about our dominant culture. Point to me any postmodern secularist or whatever you want to dress it up and call it and present us with a person who has the kind of power to embrace suffering like that. You see, with God, Danger doesn't become destruction, though some things may be destroyed, but danger becomes declaration because God rescues us from the evil inside the danger. Without God, the evil in that danger will destroy because it rattles us. It shakes us. It unhinges us. It wrecks us. It exposes the foundations of our life, and you don't have to lose your arm to a shark to, to, a shark to know what I'm talking about. Let God use it when it comes. It's an opportunity to deepen spiritual intimacy with the Father and to record on our flight data record, recorder a hymn of praise because it's inviting. Sing this with me. Are you kidding me, Tom? Really? You don't know what I'm up against. 
Four years ago, uh, I was in a horrible bike crash. And uh, um, was out on a training ride. It was high speed. It was sudden. And I smashed a lot of the bones in the left side of my body. And I immediately came to rest, and I didn't know what had happened, but I couldn't breathe. And I didn't know it at the time. I was bleeding out into my chest cavity. I, I had no idea. Uh, um, and kind of a whirlwind, I remember... Uh, Somebody dialed my wife on my phone, and I called her, and I said, which hospital should I go? I've been in a bad accident. Which hospital should I go to? And she said, what? And I said, I can't breathe. Got to go. That was not a cool move on my part. Sorry about that. Uh, I remember them calling and saying, yeah, you can land the helicopter right here. But I, the panic feeling when you can't breathe, right, when you, the wind's been knocked out of you, is like that worse. And, but if they, they lean me up against my buddy Steve's leg, I could kind of breathe. But Mark Stevenson, he's a, a business owner and a cyclist and a great guy, and he's a worship leader in his church. This guy got on the ground next to me, put his arm around me, and I remember we were looking at a ditch, and he started leading me in worship. Not in song, but he just, thank you, God, for my brother. Thank you that he's alive. Thank you that we're, that the beautiful day. Thank you for these young kids riding with us. Thank you for, and, and all this stuff. And he, he just, and then he just started singing. I couldn't, I couldn't barely breathe. And he worshiped with me, and we thanked God for the trial, and that he would use it for his glory. And I, I, there's no way I can adequately express to you what that did inside of me. How the storm was immediately calmed. And when I couldn't bring myself, he, he kind of drugged me into the high tower, the strong tower. Because we look at this and we think, well, I, I got to have the intestinal fortitude to do this. God loves us so much, and this is why we need each other, and this is why two weeks ago was so important about, yeah, get to church even when you don't feel like it. And when, and, and when the fastest growing segment of unchurched America are people leaving the church because they're just pissed off at each other about it, loving Jesus but angry about the thing, and, and losing out on the gift that we have to each other. Because you see, when you're in the middle of the storm, when it all hits the fan, it's natural to want to panic. It's, it's, it's where we go. But the Holy Spirit through Scripture through each other. That wasn't the first thing on my mind is I, you know, I think I will just, you know, cry out to the Trinity uh, here in my distress. I was sort of shocked and numbed and, and he took me there. And he'll give you a song in the night. The very last thing in my mind as I pitched over the handlebars was some voice deep down inside saying, let me use this. And God did. 
It was a long road back. It's nothing compared to losing an arm to a shark. To a shark, but I can tell you this: this psalm give points to an even deeper meaning because this psalm points us to the cross and beyond that to the resurrection. I believe Paul was thinking of this psalm and its meaning when he wrote, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? In chapter 8, verse 31, if the Lord has not been on our side, but he is, how do you know? How can you so arrogantly say God is on our side? Please look past petty political differences, national differences, ethnic differences, cultural differences, to foundational spiritual reality. I know he's on our side because he's on humanity's side when he sent Jesus Christ here to die for us. You put your trust in him. You turn and walk to him. He will never let you down. You may go through deep water. And I'm old enough to be a lot of your dads. So not only does Scripture convince me, experience has validated. He scared the crap out of me a lot of times, but never let me down. Put your trust in him. Turn towards him. Because the cross tells us that God has come to rescue us from the ultimate danger of our own sin by taking the just judgment of God that we deserved on his person so that the Father might accept us. I mean, listen to it. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's rock-solid logic right there. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect, his people? It is God who justifies, declares, right? Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God right now, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or bike crash or shark bite or plane crash or even death? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who lived, loved us. And I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, or heights, or depths, or anything else in all of creation will ever be able 
to separate us, you, me, from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You can bank on it. Lesson five. Remember he is with you no matter what. He's with you especially when you feel he's not. And I'm glad. Because we were purpose built to not be in this alone. This has been another episode of the Gateway Church Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.